Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell. Sorry about that belated start. It's June 1st, Thursday, June 1st, 2017. News and views from the Nefarium. I got to tell you, it's a hard week to do a news and views because every single story is so interconnected with every other story that it's very, very difficult to do a kind of uh, analysis like we're used to doing here. Um, before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that members vid chat is next Friday, not tomorrow, next Friday, um, June 9th. That will be the America's Pacific Rim vid chat at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time. And the new vid chat schedule for the month of June is up in the members area. Uh, also a reminder, you can listen to these, uh, Vid, uh, to these vid chats if you have a membership on your iTunes. You can also listen to news and views on your iTunes. Please give us some good reviews on iTunes. Anyway, like I said, this has been a really, really rich week for geopolitical news, and every single bit of it is, in my opinion, absolutely interconnected with every other bit of it. We've seen... Um, Germany is just about up to here with the United States, which is to say that Merkel is about up to here with Trump, and I will probably be blogging about some of that story in this next week. We also saw another huge event take place. That was the visit to the summit meeting uh, between Russian President Vladimir Putin and the newly elected sock puppet, uh, the President of France, Emmanuel Macron, who... Uh, I think probably didn't come out of that summit looking as good as he should have. <laughs> anyway, uh, we saw the death of Zbigniew Brzezinski, who becomes the second major globalist this year after David Rockefeller to uh, go to the big Bilderberger, uh, Bilderberger meeting in the great uh, Netherlands. So anyway, um, lots of geopolitics. I want to concentrate this week on the Manchester attack and a bit of news now that is coming out. I've linked it on Global Research News. If you don't know this website, it's it's a good website. It is kind of pro-Russian, um, anti-globalist, but it does have some unique perspectives. Um, it's a good site to go to, but this story appeared there on uh, just yesterday. It's a story by John Pilger. I want to read some paragraphs to you from this, and then I want to try and put this into a slightly larger geopolitical context of some really wild way out there scenarios, and then some scenarios that are not so wild. Now, the background of this story is something that I think you need to be aware of, and that is, as you know, Prime Minister Theresa May has called for general elections in Great Britain. She did that not too long ago in order to increase her margin in the House of Commons and push through the Brexit even more vigorously. What has happened in the wake of the Manchester attacks, however, is something completely unpredictable, and that is Labor has pulled way, way up in the polls, and, and it now looks like it's going to be a hotly context, uh, contested election with the Labor leader, Jeremy Corbyn, um, in some cases, the way I've seen things lately, looking like they're pulling almost even with uh, Prime Minister May. Now, I suspect that the polls are 
reflective of this story, which is just now coming out. And the article, again, by John Pilger in Global Research titled, Terror in Britain, What Did the Prime Minister Know? And I want to read the beginning paragraphs here uh, from this article and look at some paragraphs toward the end of this article. And then I'm going to try and draw some dots and do my usual high-octane speculation. So let's begin. Quote, the unsayable in Britain's general election campaign is this. The causes of the Manchester atrocity in which 22 mostly young people were murdered by a jihadist are being suppressed to protect the secrets of British foreign policy. Critical questions such as why the security service MI5 maintained terrorist assets in Manchester and why the government did not warn the public of the threat in their midst remain unanswered, deflected by the promise of an internal review. The alleged suicide bomber Salman Abedi was part of an extremist group, the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, that thrived in Manchester and was cultivated and used by MI5 for more than 20 years. The LIFG is proscribed by Britain as a terrorist organization which seeks, quote, a hardline Islamic state, unquote, in Libya, and is, quote, part of the wider global Islamist extremist movement as inspired by al-Qaeda, unquote. The smoking gun is that when Theresa May was home secretary, LIFG jihadists were allowed to travel unhindered across Europe and encouraged to engage in battle, first to remove Muammar Gaddafi in Libya and then to join al-Qaeda-affiliated groups in Syria. Last year, the FBI reportedly placed Abedi on a terrorist watch list and warned MI5 that his group was looking for a political target in Britain. Wasn't, pardon me, why wasn't he apprehended and the network around him prevented from planning and executing the atrocity on May 22nd? These questions arise because of an FBI leak that demolished the lone wolf spin in the wake of the 22nd May attack, thus the panicky, uncharacteristic outrage directed at Washington from London and Donald Trump's apology. The Manchester atrocity lifts the rock of British foreign policy to reveal its Faustian alliance with extreme Islam, especially the sect known as Wahhabism or Salafism, whose principal custodian and banker is the oil kingdom of Saudi Arabia, or as we like to call it here, the outhouse of Saud, Britain's biggest weapons customer. Now I'm skipping here just to give you one more paragraph from the beginning of this article. The overthrow of Gaddafi, who controlled Africa's largest oil reserves, had long been planned in Washington and London. According to French intelligence, the LIFG made several assassination attempts on Gaddafi in the 1990s, bankrolled by British intelligence. In March of 2011, France, Britain, and the United States seized the opportunity of a humanitarian intervention and attacked Libya. They were joined by NATO under the cover of a UN resolution to, quote, protect civilians, unquote. Now, skipping toward the end now of this article, just three more paragraphs for you, and then I want to get to my high-octane speculation. 
Quote, last month, Prime Minister Theresa May was in Saudi Arabia selling more of the three billion pounds worth of British arms, which the Saudis have used against Yemen. Based in control rooms in Riyadh, British military advisors assist the Saudis' bombing raids, which have killed more than 10,000 civilians. There are now clear signs of famine. A Yemeni child dies every 10 minutes from preventable disease, says UNICEF. So apparently the source for these uh, claims is UNICEF. The Manchester atrocity on the 22nd of May was the product of such unrelenting state violence in faraway places, much of it British-sponsored. The lives and names of the victims are almost never known to us. Final paragraph now. In the current election campaign, the labor leader Jeremy Corbyn has made a guarded reference to, quote, a war on terror that has failed, unquote. As he knows, it was never a war on terror, but a war of conquest and subjugation. Palestine, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Iran is said to be next. Before there is another Manchester, who will have the courage to say that? Unquote. Now, I agree that all of this is war on terror, and it's a colossal failure, and it's really a war about, as this article indicated, conquest and subjugation, with the ultimate target looking like it's going to be Iran, hence President Trump's visit just recently to Saudi Arabia, concluding a big, big arms deal. However, this is where it gets interesting. Just today, as I'm going to, to release and record this news and views, just a few minutes ago, President Trump uh, gave a press conference in the White House gardens and withdrew the United States from the Paris Climate Accord agreements and said that he would uh, be back if we can get better terms for the United States. Now, in a certain sense, folks, this is Trump fulfilling his campaign pledge to the American coal industry. America is the Saudi Arabia of coal. We've got so much coal in this country. We could be energy independent, and I think probably even a net exporter of coal if we wish to be. Um, and I'm not even going to get into the environmental arguments pro or con here. Uh, I'm all for coal. I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not a climate change uh, I don't adhere to that dogma at all, uh, and I expect, you know, gobs of emails denouncing me from those of you out there who are. However, I think there's a much more subtle game going on here. Um, if America withdraws from this climate accord agreement, that really, really does not put the outhouse of Saud in a very, very good position, because America is the primary political and military power backing Saudi Arabia. All other comers here are kind of um, in a much weaker position. So I suspect that there's a geopolitical agenda in addition to the economic and environmental agenda at work with President Trump's decision to withdraw from the Paris Accord. 
if that agreement, if that withdrawal rather, is pursued over time, it will issue in a very, very different geopolitical agenda for the United States. And consequently, I suspect for Great Britain in the Middle East than is currently the case. This article is entirely correct. There is too much of a nexus between the Western powers and in particular between the United States and Great Britain on the one hand and the Saudis on the other. That nexus needs to be absolutely severed and cut and that backward regime absolutely shunned in just about every economic marketplace that you can think of until it gets into the 21st century. That's my bottom line here. And this may be, I'm, I'm giving this about a 1.1% chance here. This may be even the, the ultimate long-term rationale behind this decision to withdraw from the Paris Accord because it signals, if it's pursued, it signals a shift in energy policy that is rather dramatic in nature. Now, again, that's a far-out connection here, but I suspect that it's there. Now, this leaves Prime Minister May. So what's going on here? Why all of a sudden does the United States leak this business about MI5 sponsoring and knowing about this terrorist group. Now, folks, this again is not news. Western covert sponsorship of these terrorist groups is well known. All right. That whole that whole sponsorship needs to change. We don't need to be committing cultural and political suicide by bringing these groups in under the guise of using them to further geopolitical agendas that are likely to blow up in our face anyway. But that said, why the leak? And here again, folks, we are dealing with such wild speculation that are on opposite ends of the spectrum that it's anybody's guess. One reason would be to derail the Brexit vote and to derail the Brexit itself and to keep Great Britain in the European Union, come what may, no pun intended, all right? That's one possibility. The other, in other words, torpedo the, the Tories is, is what we are, are looking at there. The other thing would be to, to bring home by a, an atrocity the necessity for Britain to start looking after its own culture and its own borders. But there's not any real middle ground here, folks. Now, the fallout from all of this, as I said, is, is huge. There is now a growing rift between the United States and Germany, and it's looking increasingly like a hypothesis that I've been entertaining for quite some time, that there's a kind of covert economic warfare going on between the United States and Germany may be, in fact, true. Chancellor and Merkel has about had it. So big news, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> big news here is that Prime Minister May is under assault. She does need to answer this question. When did she know about this group and why was it kept in protection? But that debate people have to understand, particularly if they start to have it in Great Britain, that debate goes to the core of Western foreign policy and this relationship 
to that abominable regime in the Arabian Peninsula. So uh, it's it's going to come out, I suspect, regardless of what uh, Prime Minister May does. It looks like somebody in the West wants that story to come out for whatever reason. So it's going to be an interesting election season in Great Britain. The, the cautionary tale here is what happens to Jeremy Corbyn if, in fact, Labour gets a, a significant return and gets significant gains in the House of Parliament and in the House of Commons. If that happens, Labour cannot misinterpret that. I don't think that that's an anti-Brexit vote. I think what that reflects is growing dissatisfaction with the people who are being squeezed and in the middle of all of these games by Mr. Global. And that vote is not reflective simply of feelings or sentiments in Great Britain. It's pretty much the reflections of the feelings and sentiments of all of us who've had it with these fun and games, these covert actions, these sponsoring of some of the most egregiously barbaric and genocidal people in human history. Anyway, that's it for my news and views this week, folks. This is a big one. It's going to erupt, I think, into a much bigger scandal inside of Great Britain during this uh, election season. So watch it carefully. It's gonna have tremendous geopolitical fallout as will uh, today's decision by President Trump, which I think is related to all of this business going on with the Saudis. I think that it is definitely a decision that has been taken with regard to the long-term deleterious uh, bad implications that that relationship has had for the West. Anyway, lots of stuff to watch, folks. I'll see you on the flip side, and bye-bye, and God bless.